Good morning. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. If you would, the book of Hebrews. Today we pay special attention to Christians throughout the world who are persecuted. Of course, you've noted, I trust, the recent beheadings of Christians in the Middle East and elsewhere because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. And in so many instances, all these Christians would have to do is deny Jesus and their lives would be spared. Yet they are willing to die to maintain their testimony of him. And this is what happened some 2,000 years ago. As many who came out of Judaism into Christianity, you realize Christianity came out of Judaism. Thank God for the Jewish people. But when they would come out of Judaism into Christianity, they were many of them were expelled from their families for accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Not only were they expelled from their families, they were threatened, mocked, imprisoned, tortured, and killed for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why would people be willing to die for the sake of Jesus Christ? This is one of the main reasons the book of Hebrews was written. To show Christians who were contemplating returning to Judaism because they were being so severely persecuted. The book of Hebrews was written to show Christians who were contemplating returning to Judaism that Jesus is better. And to encourage anyone being persecuted for the sake of Christ that Jesus is well worth the persecution. Titling this message today, Jesus is is better. Jesus is better. Now, as we look into the book of Hebrews, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. So be ready. A lot of lot of verses. The Bible has some powerful things to say to us concerning Jesus being better. First of all, in Hebrews one, verse four, we'll see that Jesus is better than the angels. Now, notice in Hebrews 1, 4, having become so much better than the angels, as he, as Jesus, has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, of course, in his deity, Jesus created the angels, but in his humanity, and that's what you'll want to stress as we will want to stress as we look through these verses today, you understand Jesus is God. But he's also 100% man, 100% God, 100% man. In his deity, Jesus created all things, including the angels. But in his humanity, he inherited a more excellent name than the angels. Now, notice in Hebrews 2, verse 6. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, this is quoting the Old Testament Psalms. And actually, in the Old Testament, they put in the English word angel, but it's the Hebrew word Elohim. You have made him a little lower than 
God. And that's how Adam and Eve were created, just a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And of course, Adam and Eve were crowned with glory and honor. And God set them over the works of his hands. And all authority, in verse 9 says, was put under Adam and Eve's feet. For in that he put all, God put all in subjection under, under the man and his wife. He left nothing that is not put under him. But then it's interesting, the writer here of Hebrews says, but now we do not see, yet see all things put under him. What happened? There was a fall. Remember when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, they fell. So God originally created man and, and, and put all things underneath his authority. But then, of course, Adam ate of the forbidden fruit when he did, and his wife, of course, first, and then he, they fell. And they fell in the ranking system of God from being just a little lower than God to being lower than the angels, and not only the angels, but lower than the fallen angels. That was an awesome thing that happened that day when Adam ate that forbidden fruit. And that's why the Bible says here in verse 8, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. But in verse 9 it says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Actually, the Greek here, it, it, it means a little while lower than the angels. When did Jesus become a little while lower than the angels? Well, if we'll read on, we'll see for the suffering of death. You need to realize that Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem, outranked the angels. But you see, while Adam ate of the forbidden fruit and sinned and fell down in rank, Jesus never sinned, but he, through the suffering of death, stepped down in rank, and he did that to come rescue you and me. Glory to God. Adam fell, but Jesus voluntarily, voluntarily stepped. And became lower than the angels when he suffered death on the cross when he was cut off from the life of God. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he never sinned. He stepped voluntarily. I'm so glad that he did. But then, after the three days and three nights, something happened. God raised him from the dead. And then we read on in verse 9, he's crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. See, Jesus tasted death for you and me. But when he was raised from the dead, notice Hebrews 1 verse 5. Hebrews 1 verse 5. We're again showing that Jesus is better than the angels. For to which of the angels did God, let's talk about God the Father. For to which of the angels did God the Father ever say, now this is the words God used when he raised Jesus from the dead, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This is not talking about when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this is talking about when he was raised from the dead. And you see God said to, to, to the Lord Jesus, you are my son, today I have begotten you, I'll be to him a father and he'll be to me a son. He never said that to the angels, but he said that to Jesus. See, Jesus is better than the angels. And then in verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Doesn't that statement prove that Jesus is better than the angels? Because the angels were to worship Jesus. And then in verse 7, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits in his flames of fire. 
That's what God says and does to the angels. But notice in verse eight, but, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Notice here in verse eight that God, the father, when he raised Jesus from the dead, called Jesus God. Now, it's interesting. We know that Jesus is God. He always has been, always will be. But this is making reference to his humanity and we need to be encouraged that we have a man that's in the Godhead. Can anybody say amen to that? We're well represented in the Godhead because there is a man in the... You know when I say the Godhead, the Trinity? The second member of the Trinity is a man, though God, yet man. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, this is right here in verse 8. When Jesus was raised from the dead, God the Father called Jesus God. And he's better than the angels because God never said that to any of the angels. And then in verse 13, but to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? He never said that to the angels, but he said that to Jesus. And where is Jesus seated? He's seated at the right hand of power on high. Jesus is better than the angels. Now, as we read on in the book of Hebrews, we're going to see that Jesus is not only better than the angels, but he's better than Moses. Hebrews 3, verse 1, reading now in the New Living Translation. If you don't have that, it'll be on the screen. If you don't have that version. I usually use the New King James, but these next scriptures will be in the New Living Translation. Hebrews 1, verse 3. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully even when uh, he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. You see, Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later, but Christ as a son. See, Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the son. Jesus is better than Moses. Now, as we read on in the book of Hebrews, we'll see that Jesus is not only better than the angels, better than Moses, but he's also better than Abraham. You see, these these Jewish people, I want to reiterate this back 2000 years ago, they were getting ready to forsake Jesus. They were getting ready to turn away from Jesus and go back into Judaism because of the persecution. And, and this this letter was written to them. To encourage them, hey, don't go back into Judaism. Thank God for all that Judaism gave us, but don't go back. Stick with Jesus because Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. Now we're going to see he's better than Abraham. Now, before I get into this, I need to tell you who Melchizedek is because he comes up in the book of Hebrews and a lot of people don't know who he is. And and, and I can't tell you for sure who he is, but there's two views. I'll give them to you real quickly. One is, is that Melchizedek was the second member of the Trinity who made an Old Testament appearance. You know, the second member of the Trinity, when he made his New Testament appearance in Bethlehem, we know him as Jesus. Is that right? But in the Old Testament, he would make appearances at times, one of which was in the fiery furnace. How many remembers that? 
He also appeared to Abraham before Sodom was destroyed. And there's other times. And so uh, when, G- when, when the second member of the Trinity, who was known as the Word, the Christ, in the New Testament, you see he became Jesus. But in the Old Testament, he would appear at certain times. It's called in theology a, 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 a Christophany or a, or a theophany when, when the second member of the Trinity would appear. And some say that Melchizedek was just the second member of the Trinity appearing in the Old Testament. And that may well be. Other people argue that Melchizedek was an actual human being and uh, that he served as high priest, high priest of God. And that may well be. And uh, and certainly, if that's the case, he is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So whichever view you hold, hold, he's either he's either Jesus himself making an Old Testament appearance or he's a type of Jesus. And either in either event, you can equate Melchizedek for the sake of this study with Jesus. Now, that's important because as we read on, we need to know that to show that Jesus is better than Abraham. Notice, if you would. And Jesus himself said before Abraham was I am. Remember that? But let's notice here in the book of Hebrews 6, verse 20. New Living Translation now. Jesus, as you read that verse, has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, it's important that you realize that. Now, let's read chapter 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek, and when you see Melchizedek, think of Jesus, was king of the city of Salem, or Jerusalem, And also a priest of God Most High, when Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. And Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice, king of Salem, uh, and king of Salem, the king of peace. Well, we know Jesus is the prince of peace. Anyway, verse 3. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. No beginning or end of his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Notice verse 5. Now the law of Moses required that priests who are descendants of Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. Now watch this. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater or better than the one who is blessed. What did this just tell us? It just told us that Jesus is better than Abraham. You see, if you were a Jew back 2,000 years ago, in your mindset, we're not going to say anybody's better than the angels, and we're not going to say anybody is better than Moses, but we're certainly not going to say anybody is better than Abraham. But that's what the word of God just got done telling them. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's also better than Abraham. And not only that, but Jesus is better than the Old Testament priesthood. Notice verse 8 here. Notice verse 8. The priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek, and when we see Melchizedek, we think of Jesus. So we could say it this way. Jesus is greater than or better than they are. Because we are told that he lives on. 
See, the priests in the Old Testament, they die. Is that, is that correct? But Jesus lives forever. He's better than that Old Testament priesthood. And we can just keep on going here. Let's skip down to verse 24 for the sake of time. But Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. Glory to God. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need. I can say amen to that. Jesus is the kind of high priest we need. Because he's holy and blameless, unstained by sin. See, even those priests in the Old Testament, they had sin themselves. But Jesus is unstained by sin. Glory to God. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. He's better, isn't he? Highest place of honor in heaven, seated at the right hand of Almighty God. Verse 27, unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins, see, for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. See, Jesus is greater than the Old Testament priests. And we can just keep keep on going. I said we had a lot of scripture today, but I believe we just need to let the scripture speak for itself. How about you? And if you get bored with this, I didn't intend to say this. Holy Ghost wants me to say this. If you get bored with this, you need to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. When people get bored with the reading of the Word of God, you know what it tells me? They need to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. So, having said that, let's get right back to it. But you're not bored with this, are you? Amen. There needs to be more scripture reading in churches and less story and joke telling. Can you say amen? Then we get the anointing back and the power of God hit the congregation and heal them of whatever in in the midst. Glory to God. Is that right? Because the anointing rides on the Word of God. You understand that? So if you got cancer in your body today, this, this message, I can't heal you, but the power of God on this word will heal you. Amen. Glory to God. Whew, I just feel the anointing. All right, Hebrews, Hebrews 8, verse 1, New Living Translation. Let's just go on with, with this. Here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. That's Jesus. My goodness. Verse 6. But now Jesus... Our high priest has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, you know, of the Old Testament. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Glory to God. Thank God for the Old Testament. Thank God for the Old Covenant. But we've got something better in the New Covenant in Jesus. Glory to God. Why would you want to go back to that? Why would anybody want to leave Jesus? You're just not thinking squarely if you want to leave Jesus. Because he's better. He's better. He's better. He's better. Realize, say, Jesus is better. Sure he is. Sure he is. Now, not only that, let's go on, since I see you're thirsty for more. Okay. He's better not only than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. 
He's better than the Old Testament priesthood. Now we're going to see he's better than the Old Testament animal sacrifices. Hebrews 9 verse 10, New Living Translation. For in that old, for that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a, realize, say a better, until a better system could be established. See, that's why God had that old, old system of those animal sacrifices in order. He had that there for a time, but it, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what it needed to be ultimately. Something better had to come. And so God established a better system. Verse 11, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made with human hands and is not part of this created world. See, the Old Testament priests would go into the tabernacle that Moses had built. It was a pattern of the one in heaven. The one that Moses had built, remember, was a pattern of the one in heaven. And the Old Testament priests would go into that tabernacle and minister. And the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year. You understand that? But Jesus didn't go into that one. After he was raised from the dead, he went into the one in heaven, the real one. See, the one on earth was a copy of the one in heaven. So verse 11, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that has have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands. It is not part of this created world. Now watch this. Verse 12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place, that's in heaven, once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Let's everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Glory to God. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Glory to God. Now, verse 22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. That is verse 23. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it. That's the one on the earth here that Moses built, which were copies of the things in heaven. See, copies of the things in heaven had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with what's what is it with what with real out say far better say far better. See, the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. See, on the earth, the blood of animals was used. But in heaven, they needed something far, we need something far better up there than the blood of animals. It was the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Glory to God. He went in there. See, a lot of times people don't, don't realize that. But after he was raised from the dead, remember Mary ran up to him and was going to touch him. And he said, don't touch me for I've not yet ascended. Remember that? See, they couldn't. They, they, he couldn't be touched according to according to the, to the to the law. You see, he couldn't be touched until he entered into the holy of holies in heaven. But he entered in up there not with the blood of animals. He entered in with his own blood. 
sinless, untainted blood. Blood that was tempted in all points like as you and I are yet without sin. Glory to God. And he entered in up there with that holy blood and presented it on the heavenly mercy seat. Glory to God. And God accepted it. And it secured and sealed our eternal redemption forever. That's shouting and dancing ground right there. Glory to God. That means we don't have to go to hell. That's wonderful. And it means that we get to go to heaven. Is that wonderful? Praise God. Now let's go on. Verse 24. Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ did not enter into the, a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven, which we've said. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. See, that happened after he was raised from the dead. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Glory to God. Hebrews 10 verse 1. New Living Translation still. The old system, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Do you see that Jesus is better? Under the old covenant, they would come and the blood of the animals would, would cover the sin. But it couldn't provide perfect cleansing because, see, if something's covered, it can be uncovered. Jesus' blood doesn't, doesn't cover our sins. It washes them away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Isn't that wonderful? So Jesus is better. Look at verse 2. For if they could, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, talking about the blood of the animals in the old covenant... The sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. But their feelings of guilt would and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But see, that didn't happen. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. See, the blood of the animals would remind people of their sins. The blood of Jesus, uh, he forgets it. We need to, to also, you see, isn't, isn't that better? Isn't the blood of Jesus better? Look at verse 4. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But it is possible for the blood of Jesus. That is why, verse 5, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, now this is when he was born of the virgin, you did not want animal sacrifices for sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, this is what Jesus said when he was being conceived in the, the second member of Trinity was saying this when he was being conceived in, in Mary's, the Virgin Mary's womb. Verse 7, look, I have come to do your will, O God. It is written about me in the scriptures. First Christ said, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they're required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, this is what he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. And that's good because the second one's better. Now look at Hebrews 10.10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. 
Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Glory to God. That just, just, just blesses the It just blesses my socks off. Look at verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. You need to remember that. We have access into the heavenly holy of holies and we can walk up to the throne of God boldly, not in a haughty way, but boldly and stand there with no consciousness of sin, no sin conscious. We can stand because of the blood of Jesus. We can stand boldly before the throne of God as though we've never sinned and stand there holy. Can you say amen? Amen. The blood of animals can't do that for you, but the blood of Jesus Can and will and has if you'll believe on him. Glory to God. Notice verse 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. That's into the holy of holies, the one in heaven. That's because of his blood. His blood is better. Glory to God. Verse 21. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Verse 22. Let us go right. Now watch this. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. That's the, the, the word of God. That's exciting, isn't it? Real loud say Jesus is better. Yeah, he's better. Now, we could go on and on, but uh, I hope you've been able to see that Jesus. Let's see if we get it again. A little review. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than the Old Testament priesthood. He's better than the Old Testament sacrifices. Is that wonderful? Now, I'd be encouraged right there. If I'd be thinking about going back into Judaism or walking away from Jesus, I'd be thinking about all that. Because that's why Hebrews was written, to convince somebody that was thinking about walking away from Jesus. Hey, Jesus is better. Why do you want to walk? Why, why do you want to go back to something that's inferior? Let's go with something that's better. And now, look if you would. You see, if we go to Hebrews, where do we last leave off? Hebrews 10. Now, the next, the next chapter is Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, it mentions many Old Testament characters, and we don't have time to go through all of them. I'm just going to cite a, a, a couple of them that further shows us that Jesus is better. Now, now one of the first ones mentioned in Hebrews 11 is Abel. How many remembers Cain and Abel? And Cain killed Abel, remember that? But if you go to Hebrews 12:24, you'll see something. And then we'll come back to Hebrews 11, but Hebrews 12, 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks. Now, this is back in the New King James Version that speaks. It says, realize, say better things, better things than that of Abel. See, Abel's blood was shed and it cried out from the ground. Vengeance, vengeance, you see. But Jesus blood doesn't cry out vengeance. Jesus blood speaks of and cries out for forgiveness. Jesus is better, isn't he? And we could go on and on and on with the Old Testament uh, characters here and go back to Hebrews 11. We've already shown you that Jesus is better than Abraham. He's better than Moses. We've established that. If you go to Hebrews 11.30, it mentions several people. It mentions David. Now, David is a chief 
person in the Old Testament. He's perhaps the greatest king of Israel. And uh, the reason he is used is because you see that the Jewish people not only held Abraham in high esteem, they held Moses in high esteem, but they also held David in very high esteem. And if you'll recall, and we won't go back there to look at it for the sake of time, but there was a point where, where David in the Old Covenant called Jesus Lord. So I can conclude from that. Remember when he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies a footstool. How many remembers that? See, in so doing that, David called Jesus Lord. So I can conclude that Jesus is better than David. How about you? I said Jesus is better than David. And not only is Jesus better than David. There in Hebrews 11.30 mentions the prophets. Jesus is better than all the Old Testament prophets. Because the Old Testament prophets all prophesied about Jesus. And they all looked forward to his coming. But they didn't get to see it. Except in the spirit as they saw forward in time. And they got to see the Lord Jesus and his birth and ministry and his resurrection and future glory and so on. But so not only is Jesus better than David because David called Jesus Lord, but Jesus is also better than the prophets because the prophets spoke of of Jesus. And, you know, some people say that they can't see Jesus in the Old Testament. I don't know about those folk because I can see Jesus in almost every page of the Old Testament. All the the types and the shadows. And if I had the time, we could stand here for, I would say, maybe about 10, 15 years and not exhaust all of the types and the shadows and everything that where you see Jesus in almost every page of the Old Testament. And uh, but just for the sake of time and simplicity, because you could go to any of the books of the Bible and just spend hours and hours showing Jesus on almost every page. But just I thought I'd do this to bless you. It blesses me. Just just very briefly here, as you look into each of the Old Testament books, Genesis, we see Jesus as the seed of the woman. Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he's the high priest. Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. Judges, he's the judge and lawgiver. Ruth, he's the kinsman, kinsman redeemer. First, second Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. Kings and Chronicles, he's the reigning king. Ezra, he's a rebuilder of the broken walls. Esther, he's Mordecai, and Mordecai saved the the Jewish people from destruction. Job, he's our daysman. I like the, that daysman. Job saw Jesus as the daysman. Job cried out and he said, is there no one that can lay his hand on both God and, and, and humanity? And, and, and then he saw the daysman, the go-between, the mediator, Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can lay his hand on deity and humanity because he's both. Can you say amen? And in Psalms, he's David's shepherd and Lord. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, Jesus is the lover of our soul. In Isaiah, he's the virgin-born prince of peace who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. Glory to God. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch and lamentations. He's a weeping prophet who weeps for the souls of men. In Ezekiel, he's a lion of the tribe of Judah, the tireless servant, the son of man, and the son of God. Glory to God. Daniel, he's a stone cut out without hand. 
hands and the fourth man in a fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's a faithful husband, ever married, ever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's a baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's a missionary sent to save the wicked. In Micah, he's a messenger with beautiful feet. In Amos, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's the evangelist. In Zephaniah, he's a savior. In Haggai, he's a restorer. In Zechariah, he's a fountain. In Malachi, he's a son of righteousness, rising with healing in our wind. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Jesus is better. Glory to God. And then we get done with that. We come over to the New Testament because the Old Testament, all the Old Testament does is point you to the New. I said, all the Old Testament does is point you to the New. I said, all the Old Testament does is point you to the New. And we come over into Matthew. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King, the King of the Jews. And Mark, he's the tireless servant. Luke, son of man. John, he's the son of God. And Acts, he's the Savior, the baptizer, and the Holy Ghost, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In Romans, he's the power of God unto salvation to all that believe in him. In 1 Corinthians, he gives us the victory. In 2 Corinthians, he was made to be sin who knew no sin, that we could become the righteousness of God in him. In Galatians, he's liberty. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church. In Philippians, he's joy. In Colossians, he's our completeness. In Thessalonians, he's our hope. In Timothy, he's our faith and stability. Glory to God. In Philemon, he's a benefactor. In Titus, he's truth. In James, he's power. In Peter, he's example. In purity, in John, he's life. Our pattern and motivation. In, in Jude, he's the foundation of our faith. And in Revelation, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and ending, who was and is, who is to come, who was alive, was dead, and is alive forevermore. Glory to God. He has has the keys of hell and of death. He's the creator of all things. He's the soon and coming King of kings and Lord of lords. Can you say amen? amen. See, the Old Testament, just, that's easy for me to say. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. Don't tell me you can't find Jesus in the Old Testament. He's, on, he's all over the place, bless God. And then that, all that does is point you to the new where things get better. Real loud, say better. better. Glory. Say it again like you mean it. Better. Glory to God. Say, Jesus is better. Yeah, He is. I'm sticking with Him. How about you? I've been running with Him since I've been a little boy, and I hadn't found anybody better to run with, so I'm going to just keep running with Him. I've been persecuted, laughed at, made fun of, and everything else. When I was a kid for serving Jesus, and I stuck with Him, though. And I'm so glad I did. I've been able to see a lot of good things walking with Him. He's met all my needs. He's healed my body. Gave me a beautiful wife. I've got to see the power of God in manifestation. I've got to see Him heal people of all kinds of things. Praise God. I've got to watch Him set people free right before my eyes of different things that their body was afflicted with. I'm so glad I stuck with Him. I'm not, I've come too far to turn back now. I'm going to stick right on with Him. Praise God. Let me close with this. Why would someone like Saul of Tarsus... The chief persecutor of Jesus and his church, a man consenting to Stephen's death. Remember that New Testament deacon. Paul, Saul actually held the coats while they stoned Stephen. Why would someone like Saul of Tarsus, chief persecutor of Jesus and his church, a man consenting to Stephen's death, a man who would imprison, torture and kill, including women, all who trusted in Jesus, A man who was circumcised the eighth day, speaking of Saul, he said this of himself. I was circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, he said I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, 
He said, I persecuted the church concerning righteousness, which comes from the law. He said, I considered myself blameless. Why would such a man as this lay his head, one that hated Jesus so? Why would a man such as this lay his head one day on the chopping block to die for the very one, the very Jesus that he persecuted so vehemently? Why would he do that? I'll tell you why. The Bible says then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, the Christian life, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven and it knocked him to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, that was the same voice John heard on the Isle of Patmos when he was in exile and he was being persecuted. Remember John on the Isle of Patmos? He heard that same voice. John said it was like the sound of a trumpet. You want to know what Jesus' voice sounds like? It's like the sound of a trumpet. John said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass refined in a furnace. His voice like the sound of many waters. That's what his voice is like, a trumpet and many waters. John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This same Jesus appeared to Saul, who was persecuting the church. And said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And just like John bit the dust, Saul bit the dust. The power of God knocked him down. The light of God is so bright that the Bible says God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And Jesus appeared to this persecutor of the church. This, this Jew among Jews. This Hebrew among Hebrews. And Jesus appeared to him. And he just knocked, knocked, knocked him down. And Saul said, what do you want me to do? And in a moment of time, that quick. When he called out to Jesus as Lord, if anyone call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. And Jesus said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting and so on. And he calls him Lord and he gets born again. And in that moment of time, Saul becomes Paul. How many of you glad Saul became Paul? Amen. And from that time, the Bible says that Paul preached Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. That the Jews were looking for. Let me tell you. You run into this Jesus who I've told you about today. He'll change you. You run into this Jesus that I've told you about today. He'll make you a new person. He'll make you a new creature. He'll make you someone that's never existed before. He'll melt your heart. He'll take someone like. Saul and make him Paul. He'll take somebody like John, who I referenced a moment ago, who was known as a son of thunder, bold and brash and wanted to call fire down. But John kept his ear close to Jesus' chest. Remember there at the Last Supper. And when you hear the heartbeat of Jesus, he'll take you from a son of thunder and make you into an apostle of love. And that's what happened with Saul, a mean, cruel individual. If you would have run into Saul of Tarsus, you wouldn't have liked him. He wouldn't have liked you or me. But he ran into Jesus and it changed him. 
It changed him. And the very one that he persecuted, he now saw this one is better. Real loud say better. better. And he made him the Lord of his life. And he served him and preached him. And he then began to suffer persecution for him. The reason he lay his head on the chopping blocks is because he ran into Jesus and he saw that he was better. And Paul would later write, he said, What things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He said all the things in Judaism. He said I count them as rubbish. He said this, Paul, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Paul, an Old Testament scholar among scholars, a Jew among Jews, a Pharisee among Pharisees, a Hebrew among Hebrews, who I believe wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, some would argue with me on that, but I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. Remember, we read all those scriptures earlier. I believe Paul penned that. The same one that persecuted Christians is the same one that I believe the Holy Spirit used to pen the book of Hebrews. And in that book, as we showed you, he would say to Christians contemplating going back into Judaism or to anyone suffering persecution for Christ, remain true to Jesus, continue to believe in Jesus and serve Jesus because Jesus is better. Real loud say Jesus is better. Stand, Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask Brian to come close up the service. Go ahead and get the microphone. Praise God. Let's just think about, while he's getting ready, about the things we shared here today. I'll lead you in a confession. Say this. Say, Jesus is better. Say, Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than the animal sacrifices. He's better than the priesthood. He's better than David. He's better than the prophets. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He's the Son of God. He is God the Son. And He is better. Say, Jesus is better. Now just raise your hands and thank Him for it. And Brian will come close up the service. Life with Jesus is better than a life in hell. Amen. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and your Savior, we want to invite you to come to know him this morning. Come down and we'll pray with you. We'll invite Jesus into your hearts. And if there's any other need in your life, you need prayer or something, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need healing in your body, any of these needs.